Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Alec Batsara, and for Liar Tovia Ben Haya Ashna. I'm so happy to have on today's show Rebbitzin Yohabit Goldberg. Rebbitzin Yohabit is a Rebbitzin of the Boca Raton Synagogue in Boca Raton, Florida. The Boca Raton Synagogue is the largest Orthodox synagogue in the Southeast United States. So that's amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Hi, thank you for bringing me on your show. It's a, a really special initiative that you've taken on. I think it's wonderful and important, and it's always good for everyone to get to know uh, the Rebbitsons out there. So uh, for sure. to you, it's wonderful. I'm Yochevet Goldberg. I'm uh, originally from New York, from Lawrence, and I uh, got married 24 years ago. <laughs> My husband and I, we went to, I, I grew up in a very typical from community from home, and uh, you know, was involved in a lot of different um, youth groups and uh, definitely involved with people in high school and post high school. Uh, I went to Michala for seminary and uh, for a year and a half. And then I went to Queens College and uh, Wurzweiler for social work. I have an MSW. And then I met my husband um, the summer before I started Wurzweiler. And then we were dating. He was in YU. I was on the YU campus for my social work school. So we were able to see each other here and there. And uh, we dated for those uh, few months. And then we got engaged. My whole Wurzweiler situation was me dating, engaged, married, and then ended with my first baby. So <laughs> anyone who knew me in graduate school knew that I was constantly writing thank you cards, like <laughs> throughout every class, engagement, marriage, baby. It was like, that was my whole, my whole uh, social work education, but it was, uh, it was a great school. I learned a lot and I did work for, uh, for a number of years. I've taken a break now and uh, definitely more focused on my Rebbitson job. And that's really what I do primarily. And obviously as a parent, my children keeps me busy as well. Um, <clears throat> We, uh, we got married in uh, 97 and we uh, moved to Israel. We lived for two years in the Gris Kolel and we uh, spent a wonderful, wonderful two years there where it was just a great way to start out our marriage, start out our life together. And we made a lot of good friends and uh, my husband was learning for smicha. It was, it was wonderful. We had our baby there the first year, our oldest, our, our Bechorah Racheli. And then, um, and then we came back after two years. We, uh, the Pesach of the second year, we were uh, recruited to see Boca, to see the Kolel there. And we never heard of Boca Raton. We really didn't have it on our radar. Uh, we knew Florida, we knew Miami, we knew Orlando, but Boca Raton was not really on the map at that time. We didn't know much about it. Wow. But we came for Chavez and we saw how beautiful it was and how warm the people, the weather, it was just really captivated us. And we said, this is where we should, uh, this is where we should go next. So that summer we moved to Boca Raton in uh, 99. And I was, I had Racheli, who was a year and a half. I was pregnant with my second. And we uh, started out there. My husband was in the Kolel, the community Kolel, where he was learning and uh, learning, learning on his own, learning with other people, teaching and really starting his career as a uh, future rabbi. Although then he was going to do Chinuch and was supposed to be a Rebbe. And we together came up with a decision to maybe go into the rabbinate instead of Chinuch a little more broad and to work with all different populations, not just high school boys, which was what he was going to do, um, which I think was a good decision at the end. So <laughs> happily we went in that direction. Yes. And um, yeah, and then the assistant rabbi left and he became assistant rabbi of the shul and then the senior rabbi left and he became the senior rabbi of the shul. It kind of just kept uh, progressing and he got, uh, you know, growing in his position. And 
and Baruch Hashem, he's, he's doing great stuff. And I'm his, uh, I guess, his partner in crime. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's basically our story. We went on to have a few more. We had actually have six daughters and a son in that order. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes. Baruch Hashem. Can I know how they're great? And so it's been busy. It's been a busy life here. Thank God. Wow, that's, you know, it's busy and beautiful. And your journey is really, really beautiful, the way that you described it, you know, from meeting your husband to dating to Israel and to, to coming to Boca. It's really, really beautiful. And now, so you're now you're the community Rebbitzin of the Boca Raton Synagogue. So I want to talk a little bit about the role that a community Rebbitzin plays. I mean, it's a really, really vital role. The community Rebbitzin is the lifeblood of the synagogue. And I want to see if maybe you could please talk to us about what is involved in the position and why it's so important. Um, so the Rebbitzin position is one of the only positions that is by virtue of who you marry. You know, there's like no one who goes to school to be a Rebbitzin. There's no one who, a lot of people don't even sign up to be a Rebbitzin. A lot of people just, they end up dating a guy who ends up going into smicha and, and becoming a shul rabbi. And now she's all of a sudden a Rebbitzin. So there are a lot of women who marry that rabbi and are a doctor, are a lawyer, or a business uh, teacher, uh, wants to be a stay-at-home full-time mother and not be involved in community. And for them, you know, it's kind of like, this is my husband's job and I didn't really get paid or, you know, chose this or wanted to do it. Although I think you are choosing it a little bit when you do marry someone you know, who could possibly go into this field, or even if you are married to them and they choose to, you're choosing it together usually as a couple. So you are approaching it together. But you know, everyone has a different way of looking at it. I think people feel like, why should I do anything extra um, that I'm not, you know, it's not my job description. I'm not getting, it's not a paid position. So it's my husband's job, but I'm something else. You know, I, I, I'm busy with something else. And that's perfectly legitimate. And people could definitely make that decision and decide for themselves if they want to be a Rebbitzin, how much they want to do, what that role means to them. And uh, we actually, every year, uh, YU has a very nice Rebbitzin conference where they have different, it's a two-day conference and they have different sessions and and definitely comes up a lot. Like, you know, not a lot, but it comes up here and there, you know, this whole idea of being a Rebbitzin and how much you really want to invest in it and what it means to you. And, you know, and and it's a very interesting, although a lot of women who go to that conference staff enjoy their job as Rebbitzin and that's why they go to learn more about it and to, um, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's always a great educational experience to see what other Rebbitzins are doing and to learn more about what we can do as a Rebbitzin. But, um, but in general, it really is a position what you want to make of it. And I think different communities have different expectations or um, want different things or, or um, expect different things. And every Rebbitzin has to decide, I guess, on their own how much they want to do, what's the right job description for them as a Rebbitzin. What do they, what do they enjoy? What is something they're good at? What is something they would like to do? What is something they really don't want to be involved in? And it's not really who they are and they don't see themselves filling that position. And I think that every shul has to think about that too. Um, a bunch of years ago, we actually interviewed uh, when my husband was assistant rabbi and the rabbi was still here and he wants to kind of, you know, move up in his position at some point. So we looked into another community and they actually interviewed both of us and they were made it very clear that they want Rebbitzin and they're asking me a lot of questions and you know but it, but in my community it never really came up it was never officially decided this is the Rebbitzin's position and I've been very fortunate to be able to really choose for myself what interests me what I want to be involved in what I am good at and what I enjoy and so it's it's really kind of evolved through the years um, definitely changes as you have different life circumstances you know when I was busy making my uh, daughter's weddings I probably was not hosting as much and as involved because I was so busy planning weddings and you know that takes up a lot of time and you know so it really does kind of wax and wane according to what's going on in your life um, for me I really uh, I love this position 
I think it offers tremendous opportunity to really be in part, a part of people's lives in a meaningful way. I find that it's a great way of, of connecting. If you're a people person, if you want to give back to the world and contribute, then being a Rebbitson really does offer a, a, a situation that a lot of people don't often have access to. Um, you know, when you're able to be there for people, at a very difficult time in their life. And someone else who's, you know, you have, and you have that role of Rebbitzin, you're playing a different part in that whole tragedy for them. You're really there for them in a, in a way that they feel my Rebbitzin, you know, could come over and sit with me. My Like they see Rebbitzin in a little bit of a different way than just a regular community member. And I think that's something special that you could, you know, use that position to really help people in their time of need. And also with our Simcha, you know, where they'll pull in the Rebbitzin to dance because they want to celebrate with them and they see them in a certain way that they're their Rebbitzin. And so it really could be a very unique, special, place that you could play in people's lives. Um, more practically, you know, I think the rabbi and rabbits in a big goal is to really get to know people. We host a lot. We find that when they sit around our Shabbos table, our Yantav table um, with their families or even singles or whoever they may be, it really does give you access to them and you get to know them in a way that you don't get to know them when you're just passing them in shul and just wishing a good Shabbos. So we really do try, everyone who moves in, we really try to host them at least once. We have a very, very large community. Baruch Hashem, we're like nearing the thousand families at this point wow that is large wow yes and florida in general is growing like crazy i think we've had almost 100 new families that moved in just this year so we are definitely growing and it's definitely getting harder to have everyone it used to be there were years where i could say with confidence that i had every new family and i've had everyone from the shul at my shop's table now especially with corona we lost almost two years of hosting this is Um, true so it's I'm very behind. My my invitation list is growing by leaps and bounds. I have to catch up at some point. I will, Mir Hashem. I, I hope to. But I'm trying actually now to be a little more creative about it. I um tomorrow morning I'm hosting a coffee in my backyard where I'm having a bunch of new women who've moved in who I haven't had a chance to host yet for a Shabbos, but at least they feel like they're spending time and hopefully it'll be about 10, 15 women and we could just sit behind, you know, sit around my backyard table. We're lucky with the weather here. We could uh, sit outside and uh, and just enjoy this company and get to know each other very informally um that's something that i've decided to do because i see that getting them for the shabbos meals is becoming a little bit more challenging as there are more people moving in at once um other things that we you know rebbitsons could do and a role that a lot of rebbitsons play is, is as a teacher is as a speaker um very often i'll i'm not a traditional teacher when we first moved to boca I got phone calls from every school here, you know, oh, good, you're a rabbi, you're, you're a call wife, I guess you could be arts, you know, maybe you could teach in our school, and I had to kind of turn everyone down, I'm, I'm a social worker, I'm not a teacher, you know, so it's not something that just comes naturally, that I just want to get up in front of the classroom, it tends to me that I'm not trained <laughs> to do that, so I, I, do not, I do not teach, but uh, but I do try to speak, I, I do a lot of Taras Mishvacha and uh, marriage, and you know, that kind, those kind of topics are, are near and dear to my heart, I'm a college teacher, so I like to do those refresher classes, and um, you know, those type of topics, and uh, and also, you know, anytime we have any event, I'm usually introducing, or presenting, or you know, something like that also, which I, which I also enjoy, and um, you know, there's also so many other subsidiary committees to the shul, like the Sisterhood, and uh, very involved in the mikvah. I've started in more recent years being a lot more involved with Shaduchim and, you know, so there's always, always a lot to do. And, um, and then as far as just being a partner, it's my husband where uh, I'll be that like sounding board, you know, a lot of different things that come up and I'll help him figure out some details or 
help them come up with some ideas or uh, planning things. And so there's a lot, a lot of behind the scenes stuff that Rebbitsons also do and can do. Um, and the main thing, I think the main thing is really showing up. I think that people really feel when it's not just the rabbi, but the Rebbitson too is coming to their simcha, is coming to their shiva, yes. is, uh, you know, is, is called, reaching out to them when they're going through a hard time. Um, you know, people know I'm available to them. They always know if they want to go out or they want to talk or they want, you know, I'm, I'm very accessible and very available. I can't reach out to every member of my community all the time to check in. I kind of count on people checking in more with me when they need something or, you know, to, to reach out because it's just impossible for me to reach out to a thousand people, you know, all the time. <laughs> For um, sure. Right. Which is why also when you show up at things, when you're at a simple and you're working the room and you're seeing all these people from that chevra and, you know, and then you go to the next wedding or the next bar mitzvah and you're seeing that chevra and you're spending time with them. And then you go to this, you know, it, it, there's always opportunities to spend with people. So when you show up and you, you know, engage people and you show you're interested and you are friendly and warm and, you know, that's so that goes a long way. And I think people appreciate that as well. So that's really, uh, you know, pretty much what, what I feel the role of Rebbitson is and what we could do as, as Rebbitsons. I think that's really beautiful. You know, bringing the community together, like you, like you said, you're a partner with your husbands, the rabbi and the Rebbitson, you're a team, you're a team together. You know, I, I imagine your husband has more social interactions with the men and he teaches more classes for men. And you are, you represent the women. You're in touch with the women whenever they need something, you're there to help them. I think that's really, really beautiful. And I think it's really, really important for a community to have a Rebbitson, somebody to reach out to, somebody to go to. And you do college teaching, you know, and, um, you know, I guess if people are having marriage issues, they feel comfortable coming to you also. Do you do that also, I imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, really, it's really important to have a go-to person in your community. I find that many communities don't have that. So that's, you know, a kohaka vote to you that you're providing that for your community. Um, and really the community shul is the main gathering place for Jews. And they come together for davening, for praying, children's programs, holiday programs, hesed opportunities, classes for adult learning, and so many other programs designed to help connect Jews to each other and bring them closer to Hashem. And the Boca Raton Synagogue is unique in that it's a community that has unity with diversity. There are many different types of Jews that come to pray and participate in programs at your shul. And I want to see if maybe you can please talk to us about what it's like to have Jews of different levels of observance all coming together in one place. So uh, BRS is known for what you said, it's diversity. Um, yes. it's, it's a really unique place. When I, like I said, I grew up in New York and it was a lovely community. And it was at that time in the 70s, 80s, 90s, when I grew up, it was actually pretty diverse and different than it is now. It's definitely evolved and changed through the years. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it was pretty, pretty homogeneous. You know, the schools I went to and the community, the, the you know, the street I lived on, we were all pretty similar. You know, I never really got to know a Sephardic family. I, I did not have any access to Chabad. There was no interaction there or no one really in my community. Um, I knew very few non from um, I, I knew, I don't think I knew any converts. I mean, they were like, we really kind of stuck in our little box and I knew the girls in my class and, you know, but there was very little diversity in my class, in my community, and, and certainly not among who my family hung out with, and, you know, very little of that. Our shul was pretty homogeneous. It's, that's just the way we kind of grew up. And, um, and my husband, too, in Teaneck, you know, he also is a beautiful community and, you know, different than the community I, I grew up in, but also pretty homogeneous, similar types of families as families were close with, and that's kind of what he was exposed to. And then we moved to Boca, and it was like a whole eye-opening um, situation here, because when we first moved here, the community was much smaller. I think there were like 
probably about 200, 250 families here. And, um, and it was mostly Bali Chuva. And it was mostly people who like were coming from other communities and kind of like escaping here and finding something different and really wanted small. And, you know, it was just such unique people that I'd never been exposed to or had what to do with. And I was so, I, I really liked, I, I, I connected with them and I enjoyed them. And we did a lot of, you know, a lot, we started out with a lot of outreach. My husband ran the first explanatory service here. And, you know, we met a lot of people who were on a journey and it was fascinating to me. And in those couple of years, we really thought we'd be there for like two years to kind of do Kirov and do the Kolo thing in the community, you know, and try to work on, then we were gonna move on to a different community. We never thought we were gonna actually stay in Boca because we weren't sure how it would work raising our kids and what it would be like. And, you know, but but then, you know, these positions of, in, you know, Rabanus came up and it just made sense to stay. And and the community really um, just remained very diverse because the people who moved in, again, were coming from all different communities. It wasn't, you know, a lot of New Yorkers, but a lot of from all over and from a lot of different backgrounds. And everyone felt very comfortable in our shul because our shul offers so many different options for people. We have a very robust Sephardic minion in our shul. Most communities have a Sephardic shul down the block. Our community, our shul has a Sephardic minion in our shul. So you have Sephardim, you have Ashkenazim, you have, um, we, we had, uh, for a while, we actually had a Karbach minion for people who just wanted that like singing and that experience we still have it once in a while on a friday night a Karlbach minion we have that segment who enjoy that kind of thing we have a uh, very strong chabad presence here even though we have a bunch of chabad shuls in our community um they're in our community they're in our shul too so we have a minion a shtibel minion it's called where they enjoy um i'm sorry and it's a lot of chabad uh, people who have their minion together and they bring other people in and so we have a lot of them who've been moving in recently. And then we have now a whole Hasidic segment who want a Nusach Sfard minion. So we started just a few months ago a Nusach Sfard minion for the Hasidim who've moved to Noron Achabad, but want their own minion. It's like, so we have for them now. And then we wow. have, um, you know, we have an outreach. We have a, a rabbi in our shul who is devoted to just do outreach, is the outreach rabbi. And he has a Friday night live, a Friday night service for people who, you know, want to, you know, want to learn more about Judaism. We have a lot of outreach opportunities. And then we, I mean, it's like, there literally is something for everyone. And then we'll have a, like this Shabbos, the Kalava Rebbe is coming. And then on Monday, we have a whole program for Israel with David Friedman and Ben Shapiro. And, you know, like we are constantly doing things that everyone could be involved. Oh, and then we're also having a Lubavitcher um, for Brangen coming up in a week or two um, that they're doing something for the Rebbe. But I mean, like literally it's like every type, <laughs> everyone has, there's something for everyone. And there's also a diversity in age groups. We have a lot of elderly here, as you know, Florida is, you know, for the retirees. We have a whole retiree um, community. We have an empty nest club for them where they have Shabbos meals together and go out on events together and, you know, and, have, and, and get to know each other. And then we have a huge, young, vibrant, young family community. We have a great youth director. We have a teen rabbi. We have like so much going on for the youth and for the young. We have a young um, a young leadership uh, program. We have, they have their own they have they had like a pizza night a few months ago this is ago just for young couples and so we have like really something for everyone and i think that's so important because everyone deserves to kind of grow and live 
at their own pace and what they want and how they want to be. We don't put people in a box here. We don't say, oh, you're that, 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 that. Okay, you belong there. And you're that type that. You're like, okay, you should go. We, we don't, that's not, that doesn't happen here. We really believe that everyone deserves to grow and be on their own level at their own pace, you know, where they want to be. And, and, and because hey, like you deserve to not have to fit into a box. You deserve to, to do your own thing and, and be who you want to be. And, you know, as long, but, but there's a lot of inspiration here. We have so many sheer and then we have so much, you know, my husband does a Friday morning call for, for, for men. And he has, you know, so much learning. We have a women's midrashah for women who want to learn and wonderful teachers. And we have so much learning opportunities and growth opportunities, but we really respect people. We, we respect people's, you know, own identity and their own way of growing. I mean, I, our next door neighbors are Spartan, you know, the husband's from I Iran and they are like very like really help run the Spartan minion here. And they're such close friends and they're so wonderful. I never would have met them in my former life, you know, sure. like <laughs> so much to my life. It's so, much, it's so it's great. And then the people who, you know, are not yet from who are learning and growing, I learned so much from them. And, you know, it's so great for my kids and for families to grow up seeing a little bit outside of their Daladamos, a little bit outside of their box to see that there's so much to learn from others and you could respect so much about people even if they're different you know especially because they're different their differences is what makes them special and you know so that's something that we really really believe in here and you know what it's th there's no great hop to having unity when everyone's the same you know right. unity is special when there's diversity that's what makes it unity all different people can unite and and come to the same events and dive in the same shul and and be neighbors and live together and respect each other and love each other and you don't have to be the same and it's okay and we don't want people we want that diversity we believe in it and we respect it and we love it and that's really what this community is about and i think that's really important especially today where there's so much divisiveness and there's so much that divides us and that separates us and that people resent or are angry why we, we need to be brothers and sisters i mean i know it sounds so like you know la di da it's not always perfect and easy but it's but it's what hashem wants i believe you know we're brothers and sisters when when we as parents see our kids get along and and coexist and live amongst each other what's the that's like the greatest nachas on the planet that's yeah. what you want you want your kids to get along so when you come to this community and you see the actors really the unity that people could be different but still be neighbors and be friends and often you know in the same shul and be part of the same community and you know that's that's what hashem i i think i believe that's what hashem wants to see and wants from his children so that's really what we try to model here and and what we i think are uh hopefully succeeding at we're very proud it's so amazing it really it's so amazing and it's so beautiful that i mean you have such diversity at, at the Bogotan synagogues, both in people, the people that you attract, and also in the programming. I mean, if you talk to Robinsons from shuls all over the world, even, you know, the United States, abroad, United Kingdom, Israel, most shuls don't offer as much as the Bogotan synagogue. You know, of course, they have the, the daily minions, they have programs for the holidays, maybe they'll have groups for the kids, but you offer so much. You offer, I think you have like a chess club for, for kids and adults. Um, the pizza night, the Friday night live, as you were saying, it's really something for everybody. Women's learning, uh, you do different types of shiarim and the, so many minions, my goodness, <laughs> for the, the Hasidim, for the Sephardim. I mean, it's beautiful and all under one roof. You're right, because in most synagogues, the, the Sephardim are down the, are down the hall or down the, um, down the block in a different shul. And the fact that you offer so many programs and so many opportunities for people to learn and to daven and to grow at their own pace, you know, in an area where they feel comfortable is just, 
it's amazing. I really want to say Kohaka vote because it really, really is amazing. Most shuls don't have that. And I just think it's fantastic. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I get very excited about that because I think yeah. that's what sh- it's is what community shul should be about. You know, like I, you know, like I said um, earlier, I said the community shul is the main gathering place for Jews in the community, and you should be able to gather in a place where you feel comfortable and you can grow at your own pace and you can learn what you want to learn. And I, I think it's beautiful. Um, so which brings me to my next question about. Uh, Every community has a story. People come together to be there for each other in times of need, in times of joy. Jews are there for each other when, God forbid, a parent passes away and there's a shiva, or they're there for each other when a child has a bar or bat mitzvah. They offer a warm, welcoming hospitality and a nice environment. Like you said, you invite, you're inviting women over for coffee. And I think it's so important um, when a new family moves into the community. A strong Jewish community strives to be a pillar of support for each other on a day-to-day basis. So no member feels like they need to navigate life alone, like we were just talking about. Um, And I wanted to see if maybe you can please share one or two stories where a person in your community or maybe a family in your community or a group of people in your community have done something extraordinary to bring Hashem's light into the world. Wow. Okay. (laughs) You know, I have to say, Baruch Hashem, we have a lot of amazing people here. I mean, really, truly amazing who just do remarkable things. Um, and there have been so many stories through the years. We, Baruch Hashem, been here a long time. We're on our 23rd year here. <laughs> We're like the old oldies here, the oldies for goodies. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> so many new people. Um, and there have been so many stories through the years. I mean, one that stands out for me recently, um, there's a woman in our community who, uh, unfortunately, her husband was not giving her a get. And it was um, a real struggle for her. And, wow. uh, you know, my husband got extremely involved and like extremely involved. It's been weeks, I would say, not even hours, <laughs> like literally just, I mean, it took, it took two years, but I'm saying it just, it was nonstop trying to work through all the different channels and getting different people to, to come to different, you know, to help and, and to try. And it was really, really a struggle. And I have to say our community was so supportive and so like, so amazing the way everyone stepped up and really rallied literally rallied around her um we had uh, a rally that we ran outside of the development where he lives and so many people came and everyone was so passionate about it and you know really cared and, and she was a new member in our community everyone took her under their wing and you know helped her acclimate to the community with her kids to feel like she was part of part of the community and you know that was something that i think was so it was it was really remarkable but the greatest part was that um when this was going on we, uh, we realized that part of the issue is that a lot of people are not getting those halachic prenups. And uh, that's one way of really being able to prevent this whole issue of aguna. And, um, and a few young couples in our community made a beautiful event. It was actually, uh, it was kind of, it was not a, a crazy time during Corona, but it was still around. So we did it outside on, on a lawn of the shul. They made like a beautiful, like three course dinner. Everyone wore like Shabbos clothing and they called it a post-nup dinner. And wow. what they did was that everyone came and there was like two notaries who were there. And we had these uh, post, like these pre- halachic prenups that you could do post marriage also. Tons of people didn't get it, you know, when they were first married. Now I think it's becoming a little bit more common and more people are doing it, but a lot of people did not sign these prenups when they were first married. So these couples came and they enjoyed a three course dinner and we had music playing and we actually had someone come from, um, from, um, 
ORA, which is an organization that deals with this, that helps agunas and, and really tries to promote the halakha prenups, and did a whole PowerPoint about what the organization does, and which was great. My husband spoke also, because he's unfortunately had a lot of experience dealing with agunas through the years, and especially this one. This woman came, and everyone kind of stood up and applauded for her because she was knee deep in her situation at that time. And it was so brave of her to show up and be there and take part in it. And I think it gave a lot of people also like the incentive to want to do their part. And everyone there signed, whoever did not have, I mean, I actually, we actually had a lucky prenup and this is already almost 25 years ago. Um, but everyone there who didn't have one signed one. And we actually had a photo booth where they took like a, you know, just married, we had like little props with like, you know, a veil and they could, you know, it was actually, we tried to make it cute and entertaining also. And they had this photo booth, you know, just married, whatever. And, um, and, and then, and then they had, we had, actually, we had a couple there who's in their nineties, who oh signed gosh. the prenup. It was so adorable and sweet. And of course they did, they're not they're remaining married. We're not worried about them, but they did it as just to show people we're all doing our part. And it was it was just really heartwarming and beautiful. And, and it worked out so nicely and so many people came and it was, it was a fun event, a social event, but also like you really felt like you were doing your part, you were making a difference. And, um, and that was really uh, something that stands out that a community did to rally around and to also do their part to promote um, what's important, you know, and what we need to do to help certain situations to improve. And, you know, so I thought that was something that stands out in, in the history of our community, more recent, but uh, there's definitely more. I mean, there have been so many amazing things that we've done to stand up for Israel, to, to support, you know, what's going on around the world, to care, to show uh, that we're behind everyone, everything. and. Uh, you know, so we've really, I think we've done a lot uh, through the years to, um, you know, to show our support. Okay, there's someone at my door. Okay. Oh, thank you so much. I just want to, for the people who don't understand, I just want to see if you can maybe define the word Aguna and get, just to clarify. Sure. So, um, unfortunately, <laughs> there's a situation that sometimes occurs when a couple is getting divorced that it's not just enough to get a civil divorce, but you also have to get a halachic divorce. And, um, and the process is that a husband has to give his wife a get, which is the document that is needed in order to divorce halachically. Um, sometimes there are some men who choose to uh, withhold the get. There are often different reasons. Um, sometimes it's purely manipulative and just because he's trying to basically torture her and, uh, and and make her have to wait. And it's, it's a terrible thing because a woman is not allowed to remarry until she has that get. Um, so it really is a form of torture. There are other times where it's a little bit more fair and right where he's waiting for certain things or she needs to do certain things and and you know so under the guidance of rabbis of advisors of lawyers it often is worked out and um, usually is given at a timely fashion and and done in the right way there are situations where unfortunately it's dragged out or it's withheld and then um, there, you know, the community, the rabbis, people will sometimes need to put pressure on the husband to, to try to, um, you know, make it happen quicker and, and find ways to, to push him a little bit. What happens during this time is the wife becomes what's called an aguna, um, and that she, uh, she's the one who's just waiting for that get. And if it's a situation where he's being manipulative and, and just, you know, trying to torture her, then it's a terrible, terrible time for her. And it's really um, something that, you know, as a community, we could try to help 
and uh, you know, not 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 let her suffer and and try to make this happen quicker. So that's that's what we were trying to do in that in that situation, and that's what there there's their organizations and their rabbis and basedins and so many out there who really are trying to help this and not allow it to happen often. And so we're we're grateful for that that there are people out there who are educated, knowing what they need to do and how to help, and so it doesn't happen so often. Thank God. <laughs> And it's really great that your synagogue was involved in that. That's really, it's really amazing. And, and she finally got, she finally got her get, right? This lady. So Baruch Hashem, she got the get about a month ago. It was, uh, it was actually, it was really, really, really amazing. And it was, thank God, it was really up and down and we didn't know what was going to be. And then finally it worked out and, you know, it was, it was a real simcha. It was like, it was like a wedding that day, you know, like you really feel like it's uh, something that was so major that was resolved and she's free and, uh, you know, free to move on with her life now. So Baruch Hashem, it's amazing. That is. Wow. Yep. Yep. Now, thank God through the years, our community has been involved in a lot. We had uh, recently, there was a hurricane in New Orleans. So our community um, put together a trip to go and help them build their houses, rebuild their community. That was something that was very special. And I think people here love the opportunity to give and to help and people there appreciated that effort. And, you know, like I said, we, we fight for Israel and we fight for Jews around the world. And, you know, we're very, um, we, we really care about each other also. When we go through a tragedy, someone passes away in the community. It's, it's unbelievable, the outpouring of support, of love. Um, people can't do enough for each other. And, you know, so while it's a large community, we try to keep it small at the same time that we have, you know, a chesed committee and we have Vikar Cholim and we have, you know, a meal train that's very active. It's constantly new babies, constantly people sitting shiva, constantly people sick and need help. And, you know, and we really, really try so hard to provide and to help and to be there for them. And um, we have a simcha gemach, you know, just a lot of things that we offer to help people during their happiest of times, during their saddest of times. And we're a real community in that respect also that we try to keep track of what's going on with everyone and that they should have the help and, you know, what they need. Our Tomche Shabbos is, um, you know, it, it's amazing the way people give to it and the way Tomche Shabbos gives to their families and no one's ever really in need. We really try to be there and help them. And, you know, that's something special about the rabbis of our community who are there for them and know they have their finger on the pulse of what's going on and what people need. And, and then the committees that try to be there to help and support that need. And, you know, it's just, um, it's beautiful. That is, oh, wow. That's incredible. You really have a, um, a very supportive and loving community, which is so, so important. It really is. And which brings me to the topic of that there are many Jews who are not affiliated with a particular synagogue and who don't take part in daily or weekly davening and who don't participate in any family or community programs on a regular basis. And I want to see what you would say to people who are thinking about joining a Jewish community, but they have no idea where to start. It's so important to be part of a community. When I think about what the pros of being from are, you know, there are always those things that are like are hard or that are challenging. But whenever I, I always think like, what's so what's so great when I try to, you know, I'll talk to my kids about it. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. And one of those things that I feel like we're so lucky about is the sense of community. It enhances a life a million times fold, you know, when you're going through something to not have that community around you. When I think about people who just kind of stop live in a city, you know, live in a, you know, on a street, they don't necessarily feel like a community with their neighbors. You know, they're not part of an institution that brings them together. They don't have those opportunities. And here your community could become 
like your family. They really, when we first moved here, we had no family here. Zero. Wow. <laughs> we had like, I mean, they were in New York, they were in Israel. They, we had no immediate family here, no family at all. And, um, and this community literally became our family. Um, you know, a, a couple, a, a couple of years, three, four years after we moved here, we had a stillbirth and it was a really, oh, really, really difficult time for us. I was in an eighth month and, you know, everyone knew I was pregnant. You know, my husband was a community rabbi. Everyone knew us. And, and then, um, you know, and then we lost that baby and it was, it was so difficult. Of course, our parents were there and our siblings and everyone cared, our family cared, but the community cared, like as if they were our family, they couldn't do enough for us. They were so loving and so supportive and, you know, so comforting to be able to go through that with them and, and with them being there for us. And, you know, and the same thing when we made simchas, you know, when we made our, we made a lot of us mitzvahs. So we have six girls. <laughs> and each one, it was like, they're simcha, you know, they cared so much about our daughters. They cared so much about us. We haven't made the bar mitzvah yet. He's only nine. I could just imagine what that's going to feel like. When he was born, <laughs> it was literally like the community had a baby. You know, they've been through all of our six girls with us. When he right? was born, it was like, it was like the Mashiach was born. They were like, they were so excited. Excited. The Shalom Zacha was out the door. You couldn't even get into the block, let alone our house. It was, it was <laughs> such a simcha. And it was so special for us to be part of this community, for people to care and love us so deeply and want to be there for us. And so when I think about people who don't have that, yes. I feel like they're missing something. And, and it's so beautiful and it, it enriches your life in such a way to feel like there are people who are going to have your back and there are people who are going to be there with you and for you. So I would feel like if someone, you know, is Jewish, if someone is, you know, interested in that, if they know that there is such a thing to find that local shul, there's, it's so easy to find things these days. You just need to Google, you know, local synagogue, Boca Raton or whatever it is. And, you know, BRS will come up and, you know, thank God we have a wonderful staff and we have a welcoming committee that buddies up every new family that moves in and then makes sure that they're invited and make sure that they're included and knows what's going on in the community. Become a member of a shul. That's something that's getting a little bit lost now. I feel that there are people who are moving in from other communities that don't necessarily think to become a member of the right. shul yes. um, and they just kind of go to Davin and go to the, but they're not members. I think becoming a member of a shul is important. It really makes you part of it, that you're getting all the mailing and you're getting all the information and you are on the shul listing and people know, you know, and it also shows like, you know, when you call the rabbi, the rabbi is getting paid through the shul and he's on that, that's his salary and that's who he works for. And when you now become part of the community, um, you know, you should become a member of the shul because now that's your rub and now that's your shul and now that's, right. So I think that's a really important message for people. They don't just like join, like come to things, but join membership, you know, like be counted and be part of it and feel like you're giving and contributing to the shul that you're gaining so much from. I think that's really important. But yeah, Google it, look up a shul, you know, start slow. You don't have to jump into it. But, you know, I think it's so important for kids to be part of something greater than themselves. I think it's important for adults to feel, I mean, th there have to be studies. I think there are, that when you're part of a shul and you're part of a church, when you're part of a local, you know, religion or, or institution, something that's bringing you together with other people, something that's bringing you meaning, there has to be like a greater rate of happiness, you know, <laughs> because it really does enhance your life. It does enrich your life. There's something about that that really adds to your everyday purpose, you know, meaning I, I could do, I could get, I could be, I could 
hang out. I could, you know, to just feel part of something is, is it's priceless. It's so important. So I think everyone should make that effort. You know, there are beginner classes, beginner classes, there are advanced classes, there are, you know, it's, it's something, you know, even that person who's, who let's say is moving somewhere to kind of get away from what they were in before or want to not be involved or not, you know, we actually have a, a family in our community. It's really fascinating. They both come from very Hasidic families, both grew up like really knee deep, in, in Hasidism, and um, and they moved here, which is not you know known as a Hasidish community. Um, again, we have a lot of Hasidim who've moved in in more recent years, but you know at that time when they moved, it certainly wasn't. And it's we don't claim to be. You know, they come because they love what they have here, but they don't. This couple, um, they ended up very impressed impressive to me because I think a lot of people are kind of running away from something don't necessarily want to be from anymore you know they might not right. you know become go to the shul or go they'll they'll kind of like you know not want to you know and just do their own thing and maybe send their kids to public school and you know and and, and not be religious anymore this couple still wanted to be part of a community and they became members of our shul and they come to shul and they come to events and their kids are the local yeshivas and they're doing it their way they don't look Hasidic anymore they don't they're not you know but they're still part of the community because it was important enough to them and I think that they will tell you that this is so that they're, they're thrilled you know because again here we're not judging them we don't you know we don't need to know where they came from what they're doing what they're up to it's their business and but they're growing at their own level and this has been great for them and i think that for those who have not grown up with anything for those who have grown up for anything there is something for everyone here particularly in our community but i think in every community there's something you could gain from being part of a shul, being part of a, of a chevra, being part of people who believe in something, who are attending and who are participating and who are giving. And um, I think you could only gain. I, I, I know. So find your local shul, Google it, look it up, see where it is, attend a youth program for your kids, attend a, you know, a, a class that could be beginners, advanced, whatever is at your level, um, you know, attend an Israel rally, whatever it is, there's something for everyone. Find it, <clears throat> take advantage of it. And know that it will only enrich your life and make you and make you happier, better people. So to me, it's great. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Robertson, you have for taking the time to join us on America's Top Robertsons. We really, really enjoyed having you here. And may this class be for Rafu Shalema for Alec Batsara. If anyone would like to sponsor a future podcast, please email us, us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Thank you. It was great to meet you. <laughs> Thank you. So nice to meet you, too. And really had slacha with everything. I'm, I'm impressed. And I think it's wonderful that you do this. I don't know if I'm a top Robinson, but I'm very honored to be included. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you more in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to meet you. Thank you. Take care.